you know, sometimes I come up here and I find that I have too much to say and then I get nervous because <laughs> I got to whittle it down. Um, and in my heart, I'm always hoping that what I share with you <coughs> is, well, it's, it's encouraging, challenging and encouraging, but also hopefully that's true. Right? There's no use in being encouraged by delusions. And that doesn't end well. And so today, like we have been doing the past few Sundays, with the exception maybe of when I had my little two-week break, uh, we've been uh, exploring together what it means to follow Jesus in the light of the resurrection, in the light of the coming of the Holy Spirit, and becoming the church. What does it mean to be a Christian? Especially in this modern age, which uh, can often look at the Christian faith uh, skeptically at best, if not with outright hostility at worst. So those of us who are Christians, how do we hold them? So in a sense, uh, our sermons these past few Sundays have been for Christians. So it's kind of for the team. So if you're not identifying as a Christian, so glad you're here. Uh, there's still wisdom here for you to apply to your life. But what we're exploring today has to do with what Jesus is saying to us who have decided to follow him. Right? And kind of a theme that's been we've been touching on almost every Sunday is the difficulty, the challenge of being a Christian in this modern age. There's a lot of reasons that we would have to not believe it, not trust it, right? To create a kind of distance of like, that's an interesting story, that's an interesting myth. I don't think it's true, but nice. That's, that's, that's really cute. Um, but we've also been exploring how Jesus does not let us do that, right? Jesus is not nice, he's true, or he's, as C.S. Lewis would say, insane and probably the devil himself. He's not just nice, right? So we each have to make up our minds. And every, every day in the Christian journey, every morning you wake up, if you're a Christian, in a sense, you have to decide, am I going to live this day as if I believe this is true, right? And some days you wake up and it's, yeah, it feels like, yeah, this is great, Jesus, amen, you pray. And some days you wake up, and I do too, and you're like, uh, is this real? Like, you, you kind of have a, a moment of thought, a process. And maybe you have the convictions, the reasons for why you believe what you believe, right? Hopefully they're good. And you go on with your day. You pray, you have your breakfast, so on and so forth. But then there are moments in our lives, in our Christian journey, that are, uh, well, in the philosophical world, they call them uh, defeaters. But maybe in the, in the world that we share, the normal days, they're called moments of trouble that cause you to have maybe like put the brakes on heart and you sort of wait and pause and then really consider, is this... For real, right? And today what we want to begin to explore, was it, what does it mean to be a Christian in the face of fear? Because there's many occasions in this world to be afraid. We actually had a very long uh, Genesis reading that begins the story of Joseph. Now I'm going to ask you to, I'm going to apologize right now because I'm not really going to touch that story. I hope to unpack that as the weeks go on. It's almost criminal to have such a long reading and not really touch it. Um, because we're going to focus actually on what happened with Jesus and the waters. But it's just to point out that that moment with Joseph, if you just caught the gist of it, his brothers don't like him. 
and they sell into slavery. And if you take a moment to think about that, that's an extremely terrifying place to be. And that's not just relegated to the past. I mean, slavery exists today, probably in record numbers. I was just watching a little mini-doc this week. about. I follow a, a, a group called Exodus Pride, and they work against uh, sex trafficking. And they set up this, this sting in the Netherlands, and was a, 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 these children, these young girls, were being sold. And when they did the sting, they caught the perpetrators. It turns out that a large number of the people who were hurting these girls were actually the mothers, selling their daughters into these hor- horrible situations. And these young girls, and the words that they have, trying to describe what was occurring, the terror, the fear, being trapped. Right? There's Joseph. People in this world feel caught because fear is real. And the stakes can be really high. But fear is also proportional, right? My little boy, not even two, loses his favorite little toy, little guitar, you can see his little heart and his little face, right? Now we know, okay, that's not that serious, buddy, but it's a little guitar, but for him, it is a whole little world. That's a favorite thing of his. Then most of our lives, I think, with rare exception, we live in the in-between of those two poles, right? Things occur in our lives. We become afraid. And then what do we do? What do we do with this Sunday? We leave these doors and life gets real. Right? That's what I think Jesus is confronting his friends with. Right? Because the reading we had today kind of starts off, as always, in the middle of a moment. It's like, well, and after this, he told them, go in a boat and go out. So we don't know what happened before. But what happened before the gospel reading is that Jesus had just fed 5,000 plus people with a couple of bread and fish. An incredible miracle. Right? So his close friends saw it happen live, just a little basket of food, and he multiplied it for 5,000. And his friends saw it. And I bet you if they saw it, they're like, whoa, this Jesus guy, he's real. Like, oh my goodness, he's the real deal. And they're probably really excited. And Jesus knew, well, when things are going well, there's an abundance of food, and it's happening in an incredible way, and you're seeing it happen, you know, faith is pretty easy. Now let's try the other side. Hey guys, take the boat. I'll meet you on the other end. Take it out. And they're like, oh, of course. You can sell food. I'll do whatever he says. Get into the boat. Off they go. And then they encounter a storm. And they're terrified. And then, which must have been the most, the weirdest thing that could have happened, they see their dear friend on the water. And what do they say? It's a ghost. Yeah, it's all right. You can say it. We're all friends. You can tell them. It's a ghost. Yeah, that's amazing. Because on the one hand, we want to say, well, yeah, I mean, I guess that makes sense. It's, that's actually more normal than what actually happens, which is actually Jesus walking there, saying, that's a ghost. We all say, well, that's actually, that's actually a normal guess, right? Right? Okay, well... Turns out it was Jesus. And in that moment, them saying it's a ghost, I want to stop in there. I'm going to make just a small reflection. You take it however you want. 
But in that moment, when they say it's a ghost, I think you start seeing the seed of what hurts a genuine faith in Jesus. Because when they saw what happened, the first knee-jerk reaction was, mind you, they had just seen a giant miracle. Just notice this, not us. We hadn't seen, but they had just seen a giant miracle. When they saw that Jesus happening, they immediately reduced it to a mechanistic moment. How do I describe this in a way that, what's the scientific answer? What's the, what's the, what's the, what's the logical answer to this? They immediately went there and they tried to reduce that moment because to be able to explain something is another way to be able to control something. If you can explain it, you can control it. But the problem with having the knee-jerk reaction to wanting to explain and then control, as we learned, for example, in the COVID years we just had, is that it's incredible how little control we actually have in the human life that we experience. In a moment, jobs end, travel ends, pleasure, fun, travel, you know, all that stops. Sickness comes that we can't control. So I think Jesus was waking up his friends and waking us up to be like, your knee-jerk reaction in this world shouldn't be one of when you see something that is a miracle to reduce it to something explicable and therefore malleable and controllable because that's actually creating a bad habit that's gonna, you're gonna crash into the wave of reality because actually you don't have a lot of control in this world. Probably a better bet to sort of halt Given the evidence that you have, start asking and start considering what you're actually happening. Because they, their background evidence was they just saw their friend create an incredible miracle. So now they're around somebody who does miracles. You can stop and assess the situation like what's happening here. Right? But maybe we want to give them a pass. Maybe we should. Because it says too that the waves are coming, the winds. They're in the middle of a storm. Something that I've learned, and I have to learn every day, relearn, is that each one of us here is in a storm, right? What's that saying? Be kind because you don't know the battle of each person's waiting, right? Or if you're in that sliver of moment where you just got out of one, you're just a step away from the next storm. That's how we live our lives, right? There the disciples are in the midst of a real storm. They're in that fear. So it makes you could say, well, Seth, it makes sense they want to control it. They're just in a moment where everything's out of control. Maybe it's okay to try to reach for an explanation in that moment. Okay, fair enough. But what happens when it turns out that the logical explanation, that we're, the scientific reduction explanation isn't enough for the data? What happens when Jesus comes up and says, it's not what you thought, it's me, Jesus. But then, well, I'd rather it not be you, Jesus. I'm not comfortable with my uh, logical explanation of this. It's better if you were a ghost. That would still endorse my control of the situation. Or do you say, well, if it's Jesus, then it's Jesus, and I gotta, I gotta trust him. It's a choice you have to make. All the disciples in the boat had to make that choice. In the face of fear, right? We do too. 
Because as we've been saying each Sunday, to be a Christian, really, is to live in that boat. You might have days of calm water, but the world we live in is not neutral to the claims of Jesus. If you take it seriously, take it genuinely, the world we inhabit is not neutral to the claims of Jesus. There's going to be skepticism and or hostility. Now, you can do one of two things. You can take your faith and agree with the world. Hey, it's actually a ghost. It's just a myth. It's okay. Don't take it too seriously. I don't want to take it seriously. It's just a myth. You could say the ghost thing, and everyone's like, oh, okay, then you're normal. You're acceptable. Yeah, it's all hang up. Or you could hold your faith with integrity and say, no, that's not a ghost. Despite what it might seem on the water, that's Jesus. God, creator of the universe, walking toward us right now in that water, even in the midst of the storm. You're on the boat. And so Peter, bless Peter, that's so great. He speaks out. I'm coming on the water. Jesus, you're there? I'm coming too. And he goes out, right? It's just wonderful. That's faith in the midst of fear. That's what we hope to be, right? I mean, I do. And then it says, what does it say? It says he started sinking, he was afraid. Is that? See, that's normal, right? That makes sense. If, you, if, if someone says you can walk on water, you start walking, and all of a sudden the next step, you start sinking, I would grow afraid too, right? That just makes sense. Except that's not what happens there. He didn't start sinking and then he grew afraid. That, that's logical. No, he grew afraid and then he started sinking. That's what actually happened. Right? Because I can say, like Peter, Jesus is there. Okay, I'm following you. It's not popular. All the winds, the storms, you don't like it. Well, I'm still doing it. I'm walking. But suddenly something happens and the pressure comes in. Oof, I don't, this is a lot more pressure than I'm expecting. Uh, maybe this is not true. Maybe I should change my categories of thinking. I thought I thought this through, but maybe I'm wrong. And you start scared because then my faith is probably isn't real. And then you start sinking, right? We don't start sinking and then we're afraid. We actually, we are afraid and then we sink. In other words, there's a famous theologian, Stanley Harwas once put it, talking about the story actually. He said, the fear that gets us isn't the fear of God. Because right? sometimes we can look at God's word and say, whoa, that's a pretty tall order what God is talking about. But actually that fear of looking at God's word and being like, that's pretty hard, that actually isn't what gets us. What often gets us is the fear of the approval of the world. That's when we sing. Right? The normal. What's, well, what, what does everyone else say is normal? Is that, is that what's normal? Okay, then I want to believe that normal thing too. And that's what sinks your faith. Because Peter could have done that too. Jesus said, yeah, come on the water. And he's walking in the water. And then Peter could have said, wait a minute. Walking in the water is normal. What, what? Oh, and then the sinking. In other words, the problem that we often have is prizing what the world thinks about us. The storm around us. We take that more seriously 
than the one standing in front of us who's in control of the command of the storm. You hear that? What we're called to do is to trust Jesus. When you come to Jesus and he, he makes sense to you, not only analytically, but existentially, you receive a measure of peace from the truth that he is. That's what you carry with you when the waters are still, and that's what you're meant to carry with you when there's a storm. That's what we're called to do. The journey of the Christian is to learn to let our hearts and our souls rest in Jesus. That's it. That's what everything we do here is meant to do. To detach our rest from being seen as credible by our, the world around us, by being seen as competent, or the categories of this world that are aimed at money and power anyways, who cares? But actually looking at the one who is love and actually caring about what that person thinks. More and more, I'll, just, I'll speak for myself. I'm not going to speak for you at this moment. I'll speak for myself. Because I know what it's like to devote my whole life to be the smartest person in the world. I know what that's like. I'll give you a little story. This, I'm going to get personal right now because it's useless to do anything else. When I was, uh, so my parents were from Guatemala, so they're immigrants. They don't, it was hard for them to come to North America, especially Canada, because at that time, especially, you know, very white English culture, not a big Hispanic community in Canada. And they didn't know English. And we didn't know either. I had to be a self many years. You know, I got it down now, but it wasn't always the case. But I have an older sister. And she went to school first, so she learned English. So immediately she became the spokesperson for our family. So if we uh, had if some documents came, she would read them and explain to my parents, and they would sign or whatever, and she was kind of like the voice. Well, one summer, my sister and my mother went to Guatemala. I was left with my dad. There's no voice. And so we went to the local Burger King. My dad was going to treat me. Went to the Burger King to order. And then it became clear that my dad couldn't order. Now, I knew some English, but I was, you wouldn't believe it now, but I was I'm very shocked. I didn't like speaking out loud. So I just, I was standing there. Well, what do we do? And so my dad tried his pathetic best to try to order something, but he couldn't really speak. And this memory was emblazoned in my mind. There's probably like a teenage kid. Um, you know, the cashier. And the guy, the kid was saying, like, do you want a burger? But my dad wasn't fully getting it. And so the kid, I have to every day forgive Do you want a burger? You know how sometimes people do that? Somehow if you say it loudly, oh, thank you. Yes, thank you. Now I understand this. That's what happened. And me being, what, six years old, seven, I could tell you at that age that this person was pointing very loudly to my father, who was educated in circles, by the way, that my dad was actually dumb. And that's what I also got in that moment. Oh, my, my dad's dumb. That means I'm dumb too. Maybe. And that left an imprint in my, in my, in my being. So when I got older, I remember from that day on, I made a commitment that I was going to read, I was going to learn. Every room I walked into, I'm the smart, smartest person there. And if I'm not, well, then I'll just be chartered. Surround myself with very intelligent people and push myself to be best. That 9-8, to be acceptable, 
because I was made to feel others. So I devoted so much of my life to be like, you won't, you don't want to accept me? I'll force you to accept me. You'll have to recognize my mind and my ideas. I won't be dismissed. That was also an exhausting life. Because we're always learning, we're always gnawing at knowledge to try to know more. And then, thanks be to God, I met Jesus. He'd give me that taste and be like, Except I'm going to accept you and I don't love you because of the things you think you know. <coughs> I've always loved you. You've always been accepted. And we need to let that stuff go and come home. And when I was able to do that, I was then reintroduced to learning. The Christian taught me to learning. But it wasn't the anchor of my identity. It was something wonderful that I enjoy doing. So I still do today. I love informing myself. I love reading, exploring, having a a thriving life of the mind, but it's not my identity. It's something I do. My identity is in Jesus, who is the master of the storm. In those moments when someone's making me feel like that bird came, making me feel other, making me feel like I don't belong, making me feel stupid, it's no longer to hit me more because I know that no matter what the world says about me, wants to think about me, the creator of the universe loves me, accepts me, and life is hard, will never leave me. That's what the disciples had to learn on the water, and that's what we learn on the journey. Do you hear that? I want to give Peter some credit to end because he always takes a beating when he shows up in the bottle, but he actually does something really beautiful. He understands something that I think we need to understand. And this is the quote. Some, my wife came with the fingers. Notice that when he saw Jesus and all his friends were like, it's a ghost, it's a ghost, it's a ghost. You know, trying to explain it. Peter, with those eyes of faith, no, that's Jesus. And then he says something so beautiful. He says, Jesus, if it's you, so he's going to test it, right? Not blind faith. He's going to test it. If it's you, command me to come on the water. Jesus, if you say, in the midst of the storm, I walk forward, if you command me, um, yeah, this is going to work. In other words, you will take flack for being a Christian, right? We talked about that. But also, I should say, I probably should have said it earlier, uh, make sure that it's for being a Christian. You can also get flack for being a jerk, right? And that's not from Jesus. That's just, you need to behave better. I need to behave better. So, right? Right? Okay, so not, not, not all agony. Sometimes it's... We drown in puddles of our own making, right? So really, that's fine. But what we should be asking ourselves is, well, wait a minute, which are the storms that Jesus is calling me? And which are the storms that I'm making that I'm just being silly and I need to not do that? And the answer to that is the journey of the Christian is whatever you do in your life that's oriented towards God, towards Jesus, in obedience to his word, right? Then if you're living life in that direction and you're getting flat, well, it's gonna it's gonna be wildly uncomfortable, but you're gonna be okay. Because you're gonna find Jesus right there, strengthening you. Right? Because Peter said, You command me, I'll walk. In your life, you say to Jesus, you say, Lord, I do not know in the end where my life goes. And really that's all of us, no one knows where our life goes. But I want you to be the leader of my life. I want to follow you, right? That means still waters and a storm, but I want to follow you. And if you say that, I'll come. 
If you talk to God that way, then God will answer it. Jesus did, and Jesus will say, come. And then you'll know that no matter the winds and the waves, right? No, no matter if the boy at Burger King, no matter if father or mother turn their back on you, God will never turn his back on you. No matter the storms, you do not need to be afraid, for God, our God, will be with you. And he is with you. In your storm right now, in my storm, the best thing we can do for each other is to remind ourselves of this, so that I'm doing my part, and then you're going to remind me, please do, when I'm going through a hard time, and I tell you about that, we're going to pray for each other. Right. Last week, Jesus went to the mountain to pray. Again, Jesus is always praying. Probably for his friend. He knew what was going to happen. Let's pray for each other. Let's encourage each other. Let's talk, to, let's talk to each other. What's going on in our lives? I know we're all kind of new friends in some ways, but, you know, put the gas on. Let's be closer. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for this time you've given us to uh, not only read your word, but hear your voice of love. That in the midst of the hardest storms that we experience, um, God, we're not alone. You're always with us. Lord, help us to trust you. Help us to live our lives in a journey of obedience to your word. That we may know that as we're following you, yeah, there are going to be hard times. Yeah, people aren't going to like it. Yeah, it's going to cost us a lot of things, but no matter what we lose in this world, you're worth, we follow you is worth it. Nothing in this world is worth holding if we lose you, and everything is worth losing if we have you. Help us to not only know that, but believe it and trust it, live our lives in the light of your life and love. This we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.